What's going on, Whistle fam? Welcome back to another episode of the My Hustle podcast. On today's episode, I am pleased to welcome three VPs from MKTG, <laughs> Elliot, Jonah, and Keith. My guys, how are you doing? Jeff, how you doing? Happening? Thanks for having us on. Yeah, yeah thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for coming. I mean, I don't know how busy you guys have been, but let's just kick it off there. You guys are in. What what would you say? Marketing, advertising, like where do you fall? It's a little bit a uh, little bit of both. We focus in sports and content, but um, it's a little bit of both. A lot of marketing, a lot of athlete marketing, a lot of content marketing, um, but not not traditional like uh, TV or print. Um, do some websites, do some apps, but the majority of the work is social and content. Well, actually, I would disagree with that because we've done broadcast. Here we go. We've done a bunch of broadcast stuff for TSN. Um, we've done print stuff uh, for Sports Illustrated. Uh, and we, I mean, we do a, a lot of print stuff for events and stuff like that, but like print magazine advertisements, we do them, but it's few and far between. Um, I would say we're full, you know, um, full service marketing agency, um, do everything under the sun. Obviously experiential is like where, um, we're known for, but like our group, um, is obviously known for content. So that's like our focus. Um, but we will definitely, we can do any kind of, uh, need. So to set- so Jack, as, as somebody who's, who grew up in the advertising industry, spending a week shooting a TV commercial, that to me You're is right. broadcast. Elliot has a different definition. And this is why I love bringing these guys on, on podcasts like this. Because legitimately, this is our day-to-day at, at the job. We just don't have microphones in front of us. You're hearing exactly what happens day-to-day. We often have to explain marketing to our friend Elliot. <laughs> what the f- are you doing? Come on. Come on. So to set the stage for the audience, give us like an example. And I know you're full service. And I know you do a ton of stuff. But like, give us an example of what a project you would work on with a client is. Elliot, you go ahead so I can contradict it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so, you know, it it completely depends on the client. For instance, Red Bull is a great client. Um, We work with them through IBM, uh, and, you know, we cover their full racing um, season. Uh, So we do everything from creating uh, social graphics for the entire season that run on multiple channels whether it's, uh, you know, IBM's channel or the weather company or um, I forgot what other channel they're on, but um, or even Red Bull's channels themselves. Uh, and then with that, we've, we've created, you know, hospitality events as well, um, creating, you know, uh, posters and, and um, other kinds of uh, other kinds of, of uh, art art that we give out at events. But what was cool about Red Bull is that since I've been there, we've really mixed hospitality and digital together. So, um, so a lot of the stuff that we create for hospitality becomes actual content um, for for the uh, the social channels as well, and vice versa. Um, the other thing we've done some really cool innovations. Uh, did did a, like a lot of three D um, projection mapping last year for events where we showed the car. Um, I've done some AR stuff for them as well. So uh, as well as websites. Um, so that would be like one of our intense clients, um, mm-hmm. that, that we cover the entire season. Can you contradict me on that? Yeah. <laughs> no, you did a fantastic wow, that's job. A, that's a mic drop. <laughs> if, if you turned your video on, actually, I, that I would only see you, but you can see me. My head is nodding. Uh, yes, you did a fantastic job. Nice. Awesome. Um, I mean, so- that, that's, 
kind of my philosophy is I always want to try to make stuff work print wise as well as um, on the feed as well as for events. Um, we're always trying to do that. Like that's our, our philosophy. Like how can we make this live in different places? I think a lot of, a lot of marketing agencies you'll see um, the, the social might look a, a lot different than the actual event. Um, and, and that's, that's, uh, you know, a miss, uh, um, in my opinion. So you're trying to full circle storytell to a degree, right? Yeah, absolutely. And how hard is it? Because this is what I always, I'm mainly on social, but I know the big agencies and the big brands, they want to use like branded hashtags or they want to use all those things. How hard is it to actually pitch, um, a league, a team, an agency, a brand, on one of these campaigns and then what is like the how do you come to an agreement on it's your idea versus their idea i like i'll let these guys uh, answer that first i have i have something in mind but keith's like laughing <laughs> he seems <laughs> like he's been through many a pitches <laughs> no I, I i'm just in my head thinking when's the last time you clicked on one of those and and right exactly did, exactly did you see the conversation and it probably no. there was nothing so no. You know, we do it to organize content, um, and that's really it. It's it's not join the conversation. It's organize the content so that if you're interested in something, you can see more of it. But it's rare to try to elicit feedback because, uh, as you've seen, as a, as a typical user, that just doesn't happen. Right, right. And I think, too, from our perspective, you know, we're trying to create content from the beginning, right, whether it's digital or if it's experiential, whatever that is you know, not trying to come in at the end and say like, okay, then here's the digital component of this activation or campaign. We always try to think of things from the onset, like what is the plan? How can this look in multiple ways? But at the end of the day, we're all creating content, right? I mean, I mm -hmm. think this idea that it's separate is, is something that's going to die and is dying as we speak. So our group, focuses on that strategy day in and day out. It's almost a, a little bit of a battle with, with um, you know, brands out there and also even within sometimes your own agency that you have to reiterate and continually have that conversation about digital. It's not just a camp. It's just not just a hashtag, I should say, right? right. You know, that, that is not what we do. In fact, we do <laughs> uh, minimal amount of community management and more content creation and strategy development. And I think that's the, the sandbox that we really want to play in. Totally. You know, what's great, or what's great about social is that, you know, these stories get told because, you know, someone, um, because it's kind of organically, you know, like you, you have a relationship with a client. MLS has been a great client um, for both MKTG and, and for me before I came to MKTG. So we kind of continued that since MKTG already had a relationship with uh, MLS, but we built up the digital one. Um, and one of the great campaigns with them was they came to me and they were like, hey, we want to do this graphic for opening day um, MLS. It's got, a, you know, we want a bunch of um, players and, and, you know, uh, fans and whatnot. And it was kind of built off of um, some editorial pieces that I had done for them in the past. And it, and it just was something that I worked with their creative director on. And it became a piece that we do every single year um, for, I think, four years in a row now and also for the 25th uh, season if it ever actually gets played. But, <laughs> um, but what was great about that, that piece is, you know, it's, uh, it's the hashtag is MLS is back. Um, and it's, it's one of their highest engaged pieces um, of the seasons uh, of the season um, all throughout the season. And, and then we've also, you know, had, had uh, some of the elements like live throughout the entire season as well. Um, and that's all because, you know, you start a conversation with one of the creative directors 
based off the work that you've done in the past. And it builds into a campaign that's one of their most successful campaigns of the season. Well, let me tie us all together. So I've taken that post, that graphic <laughs> that you're just talking yeah. about, and posted it on my story. And people absolutely love it because it's, I mean, it's designed beautifully. And Thanks. so it, it kind of segues into the next thing, right? I posted on my story, it realistically, because it's on Snap, it's not going to be tracked necessarily how it would on an Instagram or a Twitter, but it gets 150,000 views. And now more people are aware about the MLS season starting. You're uh -huh. never in a million years going to be able to track if that led a sale, if that led to more TV viewership, any of that stuff. So how hard is it to communicate to like a league the value of something like that poster? I mean, they obviously see it when it's super highly engaged, but just in general with stuff like that, that's not going to lead directly to sales. I mean, they actually said that uh, to us like in an email about how valuable they found this campaign. Wow. In, in particular, right, right, Keith? Uh, I don't know the exact words, but um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is something, and I don't know how long it'll continue. I mean, ho uh, hopefully it goes on for a long time, but um, even still, even if it was just for four years in a row, I think, you know, it was a huge, huge success. I mean, one of the things that I would have built off of it, and we talked about it this season, um, I, it just didn't get uh, finalized, but I wanted it to become like a Where's Waldo campaign. Yeah. And this year we did 25 different balls um, from all the balls from all the seasons because uh, they, they change it almost every season, not, not in the beginning, but um, obviously now like it's every uh, different ball every season. Um, and they were going to do like, you know, intercept where people have to find all 25 balls and then they would send them a new game ball for, you know, um, 25 uh, things through intercept. Um, and uh, they really were excited about it, but it, it, it ended up getting time. But that's the kind of stuff that, you know, um, they really appreciate. And I think that, you know, making those graphics live beyond just a post uh, mm -hmm. shows that it'll get more engagement. Um, and I, I just think also the fact that it has one of the highest engagement that, I mean, that shows you're starting the season off right, you know. So mm -hmm. whether it's whether people buy, are buying more tickets because of that one particular post, no, but it brings an energy to MLS. It, it brings people like you posting it and getting 150 thousand views um so there is a value in that you know whether that is a ticket sale or a ball sale or whatever yeah and um you know we're fortunate to know some people in the mls clubs who you know tell us that that they wait on this post and then they talk about it i mean to them it's the mls is setting the tone for the season and some of the clubs discuss elliot's post um to figure out how the mls is has set the tone and it's, you know, it's, it's basically your definition of value, but I will tell you um, if they do reach out to Elliot next year, we will bring up your views, Jack, and we will make sure that they know <laughs> how well you are spreading this content. Because it, when you said that in my mind, I'm an operations business guy, yeah. price just went up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to need a cut of that. <laughs> on my side, you know, I, I used to work for the New York Knicks and, and Elliot and I um, made a connection there and creating content for them. And I was in those meetings daily about, you know, tracking what a certain post would do and how does that directly lead to ticket sales? How does that directly lead to fans buying a Bud Light at a game directly mm -hmm. leading to, you know, those sweets tickets that, are, that the organization wants to get. And, and I would simply say, we have to make sure this fan base likes our players. Right. We have to build content that makes them understand why a Ron Baker 
for example, at that at time when I was there, is a great guy. And yes, he might not be the star player, but there is an affinity you can grow with your players, your roster, your team. And, um, you know, a team like the New York Knicks, who has struggled for for quite quite some time now. I'm a Knicks fan. You don't have to remind me. I'm sorry. (laughs) sorry. Okay, so we all – all right, there we go. (laughs) Yeah, and I think – but, you know, you see the teams that have a strong fan base, even though the wins are not showing up on the scoreboard every night. And those are the teams to track on digital too because I think there is a correlation there. And sometimes – we go too far into the tracking numbers and, and, and assuring that those numbers, you know, have a direct line to sales. I think there's an importance to measurement. Obviously we believe in that, but I also believe that you have to tell stories. And, um, you know, I think like an organization like the UFC has done a tremendous job in the past at building that affinity to their fighters and seeing them outside of the octagon and why they're interesting and building up those storylines between two fighters as you, you know, gear up for the fight in that time that they're going to go inside the octagon. So it's a little bit more than just the numbers, I think. And sometimes you just like Elliot's post, you know, you can develop that relationship with the fans and the audience where they buy in and they grow that affinity. And I think then it will translate to sales down the road. It's a very difficult conversation. You're almost selling the right. future and everybody wants it now. Well, I think, also the, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Elliot. Go no, I was just saying, uh, the, you know, the players uh, appreciate it. It's the kind of stuff that players like, like LeBron, you know, um, uses, uses social, whether, you know, he used my piece once for, to go z- uh, zero dark 30. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's because they understand the value in storytelling through visuals. Uh, so once they, once the teams and leagues understand that, then they, they were like, okay, well, we've got to bring this energy to fans just like the, the, the players. And, you know, um, I think even to a you know, certain extent now, like coaches understand it. Um, the whole organizations know that that is needed. Um, and the best ones, uh, like, like for instance, Tampa does an amazing job on their social. Um, and I think that it just, whether they're good or bad and this year, obviously it probably will be good. Um, it just makes a difference. You know, it makes a difference in, in what the fans see your organization is, is about. <clears throat> Absolutely. I think you're starting to see more investment in social. It's now just communicating to, you know, maybe the older generation, like, yeah, it's not this post, this art post, this design post isn't going to lead to a ticket sale, but maybe a month down the line or three months or three years. And I love Jonah's example of the UFC because I think you can actually draw a distinct line. There's not a ton difference between boxing and the UFC, but there is a massive divide between the way they promote their guys and the way boxing promotes their guys. Yeah, there's definitely a connection there with the fan base and you can see the personalities and the way they thrive and you know, uh, love him or hate him. You know, a lot of people disagree with Dana White, but he is the best promoter that we've ever seen in combat sports. Mm-hmm. And you look at the Snapchat channel, right? Look at what they have done on social. Uh, yeah. That's been a league actually born in social media. It's a very interesting case study and diving deep. I'm obviously a big fan and, and followed them from the beginning, but from VHS, and I can see Keith laughing on the, uh, the video cam there. Uh, <laughs> big, you, big fan is such an understatement. <laughs> okay. Yeah, have a drinking, one, can we have someone a drinking key game. me in on how big of a fan he made? He well, made we, have a, we have a drinking game. Every time Elliot brings up LeBron James in a Zero Dark Thirty post, and every time I bring up UFC, Keith has to drink whiskey. So that's what's, Well, Keith, you're at Jack, too. I, I did a podcast with Jonah. 
And this guy asked about the UFC. I literally turned my microphone off and took a nap. <laughs> Wait, what's Keith's thing? What's Keith's thing then? I don't know. Hamburgers. Hamburgers? Okay, fair enough. And being sarcastic. <laughs> but back to You'd to be drunk if you drink on me being sarcastic. <laughs> back to your question, Jack. Uh, um, you know, I think – well, actually, what was your question? I lost my train of thought. <laughs> you're talking about that. So you're talking about the UFC. That's all I know. Yes. <laughs> Who invited us here? Right. It is, it is a, it, an interesting example, as I was saying, is that they've been born on social media, and mm-hmm. I think they've utilized digital channels – better than boxing. Boxing is sort of the old guard. And if you follow them and and embracing, you know, Snapchat, they're one of the, the the leagues that have done it the best, I think, so far. And also on social and building out storylines, constant content coming out of their channels. Mm-hmm. I just think they've done a tremendous job. Obviously, again, I'm a fan, but I've always told this story. I'll make it quick. But early on when they would do the buildups to the fights, um, you know, me and my buddy, we wanted to go out to a bar to watch the fight. My girlfriend at the time was sitting at home. She's like, I don't, yeah, come on. You know, I don't want to watch guys fight. I don't want to go. <laughs> we dragged her to this bar. We are, you know, all the TVs are on at the bar and they do the buildup and where the fighters come on, they do a little um, spiel on what their, you know, um, their, their, their plan is for the fight and then where they came from. And it's, the story behind that fighter. And all of a sudden I looked up at her and she's like, I want to go, I want that guy to win. And I was like, wow, there's, there was an instant connection to one fighter versus the other based on their story. And sometimes I think in the mainstream sports, they do it very well. And we see it with um, the NFL, the NBA. But I think when you're a, a league like the MLS or even UFC, some of the niche leagues, they have to work that much harder to tell the stories to get fans to buy in. And I think we approach that, you know, as an agency, whether it's, you know, working um, on formula drift content, whether it's working on NASCAR, um, some of the rugby content that we've created in the past, all these sports, we treat them the same. It's the stories that we can develop behind it. We don't care that it's necessarily coming from a brand. We treat it as if it is original organic content to be in that feed. Got yeah. it. So let me ask something. You guys work with brands and leagues and teams. Do you ever work with players specifically? Yeah, that's, a good, that's a good question. Yes. So, so answer it. <laughs> I was, I was fine. I like the suspense there. <laughs> um, I, I thought these guys would want to answer it. Um, That's fair. Because uh, we're, we're working with a player right now just to um, think about his, his brand. I'm working on his brand. So I'll let them answer it. Yeah, I think no, we're not, we're not going to use that as an example. But I think you two guys have immense background in working direct with athletes. Um, and I'll just say in, in the work that we do, the really smart ones understand, wait a second, I'm here on behalf of this brand, this guy or this team is the agency, potentially there's some other stuff I can cook up with them. And that's really where stuff can take off because they see the value in that. Um, they're very thankful and humble with whatever brand brought them there. But, um, you know, if it's a, if it's a team athlete, especially, I think there's a lot of opportunities for us to go in with one brand and do something and then Mm -hmm. try and figure out what else we can do later on. And, and the really, the, the ones that we've been talking about that get the space and get social, um, are such a dream to work with because they don't just look at this like a paycheck. It's, you know, they're trying to be collaborative with the brand and collaborative with us. But I know, you know, you guys, especially on the creative side, have done a lot um, outside of what we've done together that that I think is um, certainly worth talking about. Well, yeah, I think, um, you know, just on another level, like even our 
our backgrounds in that um, really helped with some of our campaigns. For instance, the MBPA came to us about um, their award show, the PVAs, mm-hmm. and they wanted um, us to celebrate their athletes that you know were the winners um, with original art as well as social posts um, for those uh, original pieces. So you know, not only do we work with the artists to create like you know print pieces and sculptures and whatnot, but we also created um, campaigns building out. Uh, featuring the artists, um, content about the artists and then content about, you know, celebrating the athlete and, and then showing that they, you know, the one, they won the award. Um, and that was, uh, something that, that was actually a very quick turnaround. Um, and the MBPA came to us because they knew that, you know, Joan and I, um, and our team had a, had a real strong background in that and understood working with players and how to celebrate players in the right way. Um, I don't know if I'm missing anything, Jonah, you can, uh, no, I mean, I, th- I think we've worked, you know, um, in collaboration. We always use that word with athletes, whether it's with the brand or specifically to the athlete. I think a growing interest of ours is working directly with an athlete and then back ending it with branded content or sponsorship as opposed to the other way around. Um, to me, I've always, and I feel like athletes are more savvy um, now more than ever in terms of their, uh, the way that are viewed in, in, in terms of social media and, uh, branded content. And I think they create really good, um, authentic content, whether it be on, you know, uh, channels like HBO or Showtime or their own social channels or uninterrupted with their own websites. So I think now is the time to really work directly with athletes because they're realizing the platform they have and they can skip the middleman. And for us to come in, it's not to tell them what to do. It's not to even to create the content and kick it back to them and say, okay, post this and, and here's the copy. It's really to work with them and collaborate. What, what is it that you want to do? And when I was on the plane with the New York Knicks and working in digital, it was fascinating because we had our photographer there and I was seeing players post Getty, Getty preview images on their Instagram <laughs> channel with the Getty watermark. Yeah. And I'm like, I have a professional photographer sitting next to me. His, his actual job is to take photos of you, which you can use in your Instagram. Let me give you these photos. And they were always kind of like, wow, okay. Yeah, I didn't think it. Because let's break down the wall, right? You know, that this idea, we do one thing and, and, and there's, you know, this platform that posts, posts the, the content, but the athlete's separate of it. And the only way to get involved is to have the, the brand in the middle in between. So I think for us, there, there is something there with going direct to athlete and having a sponsor or a brand celebrate it or be a part of it and uh, we always talk about collaboration with with these players and i'm super excited to talk to them directly because i think a lot of players right now are having a voice outside of the sport that they have and um you know we see matt barnes steven jackson uh big baby was on a podcast the other day and saying all kinds of crazy stuff you know, it's just <laughs> it's it's a fun time to see their the, the personalities come out and not just be a talking head on ESPN. You know, yeah. there's other channels, there's other opportunities. And uh, I know I speak for these two guys where this is where we get really excited about because I think we don't see like dollar signs. We see a fun opportunity to, you know, create a voice that hasn't been there. There's a void there. And um, people viewing the content, the consumers can see right through this brand and stuff, you know, and yeah. you see too much of that right now. We need to get that out. And the more original content that is authentic to their voice, uh, the stronger we'll be in the end. 
I mean, I, like I started my career because athletes were reposting my my stuff. Um, and, like LeBron and no, James? I mean, no, not LeBron. No, 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 no. I didn't say LeBron. That's how I started my career. No, I'm not talking. No, it was it was. Uh, that was me. That was me. Uh, sorry, no, the, it was Knicks players you. that that started. I was doing you know some stuff for S and Y and whatnot, and mm-hmm. um, um, and like Schumpert posted uh, uh retweeted one and used it for his avatar for like six months and then big meta world peace so like that i feel like they were ahead of the curve for the team like it took jonah reaching out to me i think a few seasons later um or two seasons later after that where i started working with them um so i think athletes are always the first ones to pick this up uh and and they will continue to do so and yeah it's changing they're becoming brands Totally. I, I still think there's a long way to go for the teams, the leagues, and the athletes, which makes your business probably a good place to be in for right now. Uh, what about like when a new platform pops up? Like TikTok is the craze right now. And we saw the NBA do a really cool thing by activating with you know those TikTok stars during All-Star Weekend. What do you guys do when you see a new platform pop up that catches that type of virality? Yeah, I think um, we try to stay on top of it from a creative standpoint, but a lot of the work we've done has been grounded in talent. So a lot of brands are always like, well, what's the TikTok strategy and what should we be doing on the platform? And what we're trying to do is counsel them that you don't have to have a branded presence. We can maybe work with some TikTok uh, talent. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did with um, with Vine when that was you know really hitting was you know get some of these creators, these stop motion animators that are on the platform bring them to uh, March Madness for AT&T or whatever it might have been and create content that's very true to what they normally would be doing. Um, So for us, we're just trying to harness the creative power, whatever that platform is, and see who we can utilize from a talent perspective. And that maybe and likely is the best way to get your brand on a platform like that. Yeah, maybe hitting the pause button, you know, on on necessarily going through just because it's the hot new platform. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we see that all the time. And in you know, we got to really find out, you know, does TikTok have legs? Is it, you know, meant for all brands to be on? Certainly not. Uh, there's definitely an audience that is um, a niche audience there that craves that kind of content and expects a certain type of content delivered to them. I think that's probably the most important part. So, um, you know, every day I think we try to get better at understanding the platform in multiple ways, but that's a great point that Keith brings up is like the creators are kind of where the gold is at at this point. And if you can harness them as the talent um, and, and make sure they're the ones that are the, uh, you know, experienced people on the platform, as opposed to us dictating to somebody else that isn't, uh, I think that's, you know, a, a great way of looking at the strategy, especially when brands come to us and, and want some guidance. Well, I find what's interesting now is um, I think TikTok's going to blow up because because of what's everyone's stuck at home and <laughs> yeah. and they have to, you know, they, they can have time to, to create these stupid TikToks, uh, you know, because they have nothing else to do and they're stuck stupid. at home. Uh, <laughs> How do you I feel about someone it? Was gonna, I knew someone was going to mention that. <laughs> um that platform, yes, I, I do think TikTok has legs, um, but I agree with Jonah in the fact that um, you got to figure it out first, uh, then trying to just jump in. Let me let me just let you know, Elliot, when, when Jack asks a question, not all three of us need to answer it. So maybe you, maybe you hang <laughs> back on one. No, I like answering. I like hearing all three viewpoints because you're all Jack, three different. Jack, people. next question. <laughs> all right. Well, th- uh, yeah, that's yeah. funny you say that because – 
I was going to ask, what is, since you all three have begun working or now at MKTG, what has been your favorite activation or project? And I was going to preface that, I was going to preface that with, there's no way any of you are going to agree on one project. <laughs> at 35 minutes in, you already know us. I love this. <laughs> Elliot, right, you started up. <laughs> Me? I started yeah. up. I, I thought I can't answer this one because I guess no. I can only answer the song. No, this um, one, all three yeah. have to answer. All right, let me see. Um, you know, we did a really cool activation for IBM. It was like the one of the first, uh, it was like within the first six months of me being at MKTG. Um, and we did it for the Grammys. We did this uh, um, IBM uh, watch party uh, for the Grammys. Um, and what was cool about it is that we, it was literally physically integrating the social posts that we were creating, the social content that we were creating on the walls of the event because the event was a giant um, projection mapped room. So the entire room, like the one of the screens uh, was the Grammys, but the rest of it was, um, you know, designs that we had created uh, as well as showing the feeds live that we were creating for the, for the Grammys um, and for IBM. So what, what I loved about that is that that's my philosophy. How can you mix live events with social content? And that physically did that. Um, plus, you know, we worked with some great influencers for that. Um, and, and, I, and I got to go to the Grammys after party. So I'll, I'll say that, <laughs> that was part of uh, my favorite part of it. But um, it was a really cool event and, and, and uh, was a great way to kick off my uh, career at MKTG. I love it. Jonah? All right, I'm up next. I would say, you know, I look, I work more on the digital production side. So a, probably a little less in, you know, the live activations, um, you know, a couple of them we've done in terms of creating digital content coming out of the activation. But one of my favorite pieces that we did was for Toyota racing and formula drift. Um, you know, we had Toyota's got a stable of athletes, um, under their brand and they like to bring together team Toyota and also Toyota racing. So there's, you know, gymnasts, there's, uh, fishing anglers, there's bicyclists, there's, um, gymnasts, as I said, and, and obviously, you know, uh, a lot of athletes in NASCAR. Um, so I think they always are trying to find, you know, ways to bring the content together. And we were presented with a problem in the sense of how do we, um, showcase a formula drift driver with a gymnast. And, uh, you know, we were able to bring them on a track um, and surprise the gymnast with a ride with this formula drift driver. And the content that came out of it was really great. I mean, the gymnast is Lori Hernandez. She's won a gold medal in 2016. She's hoping to go back in 2020. Unfortunately, that's going to be postponed. But the content coming out of it, both athletes were so great. It was so fun to see their reactions. And again, it kind of goes back to that, you know, core strategy that I discussed before about collaborating with them. We really discussed the project as they showed up on the track, got their buy-in and they kind of had some tweaks. What if we did this? What if we did that? And again, when we put a, this gymnast in that formula drift car and took her around the track, there was genuine fear in, in her, <laughs> in, the, in her face and her uh, reaction. And obviously for us, that's, you know, video gold, yeah. uh, but the way they interacted and then also the scoring system is very similar. So we tapped into telling the story of how, you know, a gymnast, their scoring is a little bit arbitrary, right? Like they um, have to have judges that hand down the scores based on their, um, you know, how, how they perform and this. And it's a similar sense for formula drift. It's actually not racing against one car versus another. So 
both had those similarities and you could see on the track where they found those. And then we were able to deliver a content piece that was a minute 30, highly engaging from the beginning. We used drone uh, footage. We had a GoPro in the car. We had beautiful shots. So it kind of hit everything in terms of my, as a director and sort of a producer on site, everything that I could want, you know, out of a video. And uh, we tried to always reach that for each one. But for me, that was, it was really satisfying to see it play out and, and see everybody walk away so happy with it. And uh, you always want that. Awesome. Keith, bring us home. Yeah, thanks. Um, I think what I'm most proud of is probably four, four and a half years ago, we took over Sunoco's NASCAR um, content. And this was a brand that was, you know, talking about coupons on milk and what the current price of gas was because they were talking about their stores and not, you have this awesome sponsorship in NASCAR and what are you going to do with it? And with a very small three to four person team, we were able through their, their sponsorship, talk about all the drivers. So no matter who won every Sunday, we could talk about it. And all it really was, was talking to fans like a fan um, and understanding how important this content is. And we, you know, turned that around. And, and I think what I'm most proud of is other race teams and other people within the sport really look to Sunoco as um, the guiding light. Like, this is what you should be doing. This is how you do it. Um, so that was a fun one that was really, you know, created based on strategy and, and great content. But you know, lately it's it's tough to go against the the IBM Formula One stuff. I've I've not really understood the sport until working on this this business, and now I'm watching both seasons of the uh, the Netflix show, and I'm so up on this sport, which I'm now totally intrigued by. So, the stuff that you spend a lot of time on and can really drill into, sometimes you walk away just better from it. And this is one of those things where. I, I knew nothing about this sport, um, and I still really don't. But I'm, I'm certainly <laughs> appreciative of it, and I'm and I'm honestly such a true fan now. Hopefully, one day your word will be Formula One, and then everyone will have to drink for that one. I just <laughs> love get there. The common theme is definitely full circle storytelling, which is prevalent in what you guys do. Uh, before I let you guys go, I'm happy that we connected on this podcast a couple weeks into uh, the situation because I think no one really knew what was going on a, f- a yeah. few weeks ago. But now we have a better understanding of how the marketplace is reacting, how clients and leagues and all that stuff. Can you guys just talk a little bit about um, you know what you're seeing out there, how everyone reacted? And like, is it a fun challenge because you obviously have to be super creative during this time? Or is it more like, let's, I mean, let's just get out of this. Yeah, I think it, I think it's been fun. I think we're seeing a lot in the digital social content space. We're seeing a lot in gaming which could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the NASCAR stuff, just because we're so close to it, or they're doing the iRacing yep. um, right now, and, and some actual drivers are behind it. Dale Earnhardt's in it. So what's cool about the gaming aspect that I personally think should stay even when the season comes back mm-hmm. is you have guys that aren't currently behind the wheel of an actual car driving, which is cool. We could get crew chiefs. We could get, um, you know, crew members driving. I mean, it it doesn't necessarily have to be the driver, but I think that's interesting. Um, the sun's playing out the season on 2k Mm -hmm. yet to be determined if, if people will watch the rest of the season. But I think this stuff is very interesting and to see the suns go from, you know, hardly anything on any platform to now, okay, we've done the first game, we've amassed an audience. And, um, I think they've got some branded opportunities now after one game. So, Mm -hmm. 
I, I credit a lot of that to them, but certainly I also have to say that the bar right now is so low on sports that anybody's interested in like what's going on. This <laughs> is this is the closest thing to NBA action I can get, so I'm I'm all in on it. So it's cool. Well, like you said, um, we'll see how much stuff sticks around, but we like it because I think it's forced people to uh, to think different, be a little bit more clever and innovative, and come up with ideas that I do hope find a home um, well after the, the real sports come back. Yeah. And I had talked about this, you know, earlier on about the, you know, direct athlete content that's developing over time. And uh, it's something that I've been discussing a lot lately and thinking about, but this is the first time ever where we've been in a situation where world-class athletes are in the same exact position. We are <laughs> sitting at home <laughs> bored, yeah. Trying to figure out what to do, scared, um, trying to <laughs> trying to connect with family members. It's it's so unique. It's unprecedented. You know, this is the only time. And the one thing that makes them great, they can't do. And the one thing that we want to do is watch them be great. So it's almost interesting to see this play out. And I love the fact that these guys are jumping on Instagram live, talking to each other, interviewing each other. There's some amazing stories that are being told during this period of time. And I think right now, as Keith mentioned, the bar is set low, but I do think people are starting to rise with creative ideas. And it's forcing us, you know, when I worked for the team in the Knicks, I often joke, you know, I could post a highlight that would get as much engagement as a, a content piece I worked on for four months. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really disheartening because I'm like, yeah. at the end of the day, what am I doing? I'll just put up dunks every night right. and then there's yeah. your engagement and boom, you know, but I think in all seriousness, this has really provided us an opportunity to tell stories in different ways. And again, to hammer that point where the athletes are rising up and noticing that their platforms are a way to either speak out and say, you know, everybody needs to stay home, whether it's a PSA type of thing or whether it's just giving fans content. I mean, we've all seen it, the DJ nice DJ mixes mm -hmm. yes. love it. I mean, again, these awesome. are things that like guys are just popping up and all of a sudden it's becoming you know, an organic viral hit. And we don't want to replicate that. We want to, you know, spin off of it and figure out different ideas. But as creators, this is put the onus on us to be at our best. And uh, I think that's what we want to do. Um, I think it's great to see clients that are interested. And, in, you know, I mean, you know, we have a variety of clients, some some just want to put pencils down. And then there's a lot that are like, okay, how can we um, not, you know, not get take advantage of this but but how can we be creative with this um we work with uh pga we're doing um a series with them called caddy tales uh and it's perfect for this because it's them just telling stories and we're animating them um so and they're looking to do more stuff like that because they really can't um you have to animate stories right now you can't really have them um actually on on camera because they're at home doing it uh so there are there are brands that are are um, not excited, but are interested in, in finding solutions around this and, um, and creating, you know, fun content that, that can keep people entertained during this time. Awesome. I mean, I think there was a lot of value given out on this podcast and that's essentially what we want to extract from you guys. So I really do appreciate the 45 minutes you guys gave me, Elliot, Jonah, Keith, MKTG sounds like it's in some pretty solid hands, and I do love the banter. You need the banter <laughs> anytime, especially during these these times. Uh, thank you guys for joining the My Hustle podcast, Whistle Fam. We will talk to you soon. Thanks, Jack. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Jack, man. Appreciate it. <laughs>